Happy New Year. You're all wide awake and ready to go here, are you? Thank you once again to all of you who showed up yesterday and uh, helped undecorate the church to put it back in its condition of what it was like before the Christmas holiday. And uh, I was here yesterday afternoon and came walking up and saw that it was all changed and went, wow, that all happened without me being here, thank God. Yeah. Um, I want to just introduce, uh, we're beginning a new series this morning, and uh, for the month of January, we'll be talking about um, this, taking a spiritual journey to a more generous life. If you don't have one of these, you can grab one on the way out. The ushers will hand them out to you if you don't have one. Um, I got mixed up on that a little bit earlier in the service, on the first service, so I don't want to do that again, but these will be handed out to you uh, on your, as you exit if you didn't get one on the way in. Um, these are what we're going to be dealing with this subject matter. They're uh, a daily um, reading in there, different passages of scripture that you can read on how to have a more generous life and how that can affect you. Um, I'm starting this series off by kind of handling the very first week in here. So we're kind of a little bit ahead of it with our sermon, but that's because we're using this information in your small groups. Um, this is what you'll be studying for the month of January. And maybe even a little bit longer. Matthew's not here right now, so he might be able to tell you more specifically. And he will get with our leaders and let them know that. But we will be going over that. You'll be reading these daily passages of Scripture regarding giving, regarding the generosity of God, and the generous nature of who you are and what you should be in him. Uh, I am speaking on the generosity of God this morning. And we're going to go to First Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 20. And um, as Pastor and I and Matthew uh, planned this series, uh, it was determined that it would be great if I did this first section, and um, I was glad to do it and very happy to be here. Uh, it was shortly after that, as I started to study it, that I realized that I had preached on this in May, I believe, of this year, the same passage, but from a different perspective. So this will be a little bit different, even though it's similar uh, similar grounds in the same passage of the scripture. We're going to look at it a little bit differently. Uh, at that point, we were talking about the, um, uh, the offering of a man who's after God's heart, which was David, and the offering, the incredible offering that he gave toward the temple, uh, where the um, Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, would be placed, uh, built there, and David was not allowed to build that, if you'll recall. I don't know how many of you were here, and, and when we did that sermon, probably most of you heard I was preaching and didn't show up. So now you're back, and you're going to hear it a second time. So, um, but anyway, that was the perspective there, and that's what was taking place. There was an offering in the first uh, nine verses here of uh, chapter 29. We're at the um, end of David's life. David's reign as king is coming to an end, and his life is uh, at the same point doing the same thing. And he had asked the Lord if he could build the temple. The Lord said no to him uh, because of his status as a warrior and a, 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 a battle king. Uh, he was told no. God said, I won't have you build it. You have blood on your hands from the killing of men, and um, I would rather let your son Solomon build it. And so David instead was allowed to be involved in it by gathering the materials and the different things that were necessary to build the temple. And uh, this beginning of this section here is David's prayer after that offering has taken place. Okay one of the largest offerings ever recorded uh, was given by David and his people. 
And so here's what he says, and we'll start off right there, and uh, we'll read the passage. So that should be behind me on the board, or if you have your Bible, it's First Chronicles 29, 10 through 20. And so I, hopefully you're there and ready to go. I'm going to read it. Follow along with me. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. For we are sojourners before you and tenants, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand, and all is yours. Since I know, O my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God, and all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. So this is a, a prayer of thanksgiving, a, a prayer to acknowledge um, the offering that God had allowed David and his people to give to a temple to be built for the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, for God's presence to rest in that building. So it's a spontaneous reaction of generosity by the people. They were allowed and asked to give according to what happened was David gave his offering first, and then the people, after he had given his offering, they came and brought their offerings. And it amounted to an offering in the billions. If it was in today's world it would be uh, in, in the billions and so um, what does he do the very first thing he says is bless the Lord let's bless the Lord before the whole congregation so he stands in front of them and prays this prayer so David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly and David said blessed are you O Lord God of Israel our father blessed are you O God of Israel our father after they given this magnanimous stupendously crazy large offering he says blessed are you Lord God our Father David then addressed God's attributes of eternality omnipotence glory and sovereignty in the next section of 10 to 13 
in the eternality, it's the end of verse 10. He says, blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. He's been forever. He will be forever. He's always been. He always will be. It's his eternality. There's none like him. None. No one else can say they've always been. God can say it. David acknowledges that in this prayer. You're the God that has always been. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Over all. Now, I, I did a, a very short word study on the word all. And um, it took me about a minute and a half to figure out that all in this passage means all. It means everything. So in light of that, we look at his eternality and attributes are not just what he possesses. It's not just, a, it's not something he possesses like, oh, he was great at this or he was great at that. No, he is greatness, period. He possesses it. He owns it. It's who he is. He's his greatness. Um, so listen to this is Matthew Henry in his commentary. He says this, and I, I couldn't improve it, so I thought, well, I'll just use it, which is fine as long as I tell you it was Matthew Henry that said it. His infinite perfections, not only that he is great, powerful, glorious, and the other attributes mentioned, but that his is the greatness. His is the power. His is the glory, and that is he has them in and of himself. It's his nature. This is who he is. He is the fountain and center of everything that is bright and blessed. And you see why I used his words. I probably couldn't have come up with those words. So all that we could possibly say in the highest of praises that you could come up with verbally, you could come up with a lot of different ways that you could say it, none of it would really say what really he is. You, you really can't imagine the greatness of who God is. You can't imagine the power that he has. You can't imagine his glory. But you know that it is him. So here's some takes I had on it. His is the greatness. His greatness is so immense. It, it's incomprehensible for us. Um, it's immeasurable. The greatness of God is just, you can't begin to measure it. And so nothing compares to his greatness. You can say Steph Curry was great last night because he hit 10 out of 23 pointers. That's just a great act he did. That doesn't mean he's great. God says, I'm just greatness. That's just who I am. And David's acknowledging that here. He says, he is the power. He is the power. Not he has power. He has power, but he is the power. You see the difference? Say yes, please. Thank you. That was a much better response than the first service. You've been awake a little bit longer, hopefully. So, he, he is the power. It is almighty and irresistible. The power belongs to him. And all the power of everything, the, all the power of everything comes from him. Wrap your head around that. All the power that exists on the earth today comes from from PG&E. <laughs> eh, eh, no. Comes from him. You know that they have not figured out what causes the electrons to move 
across a wire that creates electricity. They don't know what causes that. They still can't figure it out. I know what causes it. God causes it. He's in charge of power. Now that's just one form of power. You woke up this morning. You were breathing. You got out of bed. You know what? It took a little power for you to get out of bed. Some more than others. In the early service, they had a different kind of power than y'all because y'all slept in a little bit longer, so you're a little bit more awake. We'll see if that's true or not. So, you getting out of bed, that took power. It took physical energy. Guess who was in charge of that? God. All power is derived from Him. All power. All greatness is attributed to Him. His is the glory. We're covering them in order. His is the glory. For His glory is His own end and the end of the whole creation. The whole idea of creation was for God to receive glory. All creation was to glorify God. All the glory we can give Him with our hearts, lips, and lives comes infinitely short of what is His due. He deserves more than you can ever give Him. His glory, we fall short of giving Him the true glory that He deserves. But you know what? It doesn't mean you're off the hook. It means you've got to try to give Him glory. All right? But it's His. Infinitely, glory belongs to Him. We're not done. Just really getting started. So His is the victory. Um, he's able to conquer and subdue like nobody else. He will get his victory. You know, one of the things about following Christ is he wins in the end. We're going to see victory. You've seen victories in your life right now, haven't you? Haven't you had things that you prayed about and asked God to give you victory over, and he did? Where did the victory come from? From you? No, it came from him according to this passage. He's the one in charge of all the victory there is. So, do you imagine what this meant to the Israelites? Can you imagine? They had fought many wars, a lot of wars, where the, the, the odds were stacked against them. And who got the victory? God did with his people, Israel. You know, Israel's like the smallest nation there is. And they keep winning victories. Because they win because he's in charge of victory. He is incontestable is the word I've found it means you can't even begin to contest him don't even think about contesting I don't know what Satan's doing I don't get it he thinks he's going to win but yet he already knows he's not going to win I don't get it and his victories are uncontrollable he's going to win he won in your life didn't he didn't he win in your life? Didn't you used to hate him at one time? I'm, I'm just quoting you what Scripture says. While we yet hated him, he sent his son to die on a cross for you. Sounds like a pretty generous God to me. This is the God, and all of these attributes define who he is so we can show you how generous he is. 
because he's got all these powers. He's got all this control. He's got all the glory. He's got all the dominion over everything, and yet he still wants to be generous to you. In his majesty, it's inconceivable. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I've done this with you before, but we're going to do it again. Think of the majesty of Christ. Think of the majesty of God. Think of it. Think of him as big as you can. Think of it. All right, open your eyes. How big did you make him? How big did you make him in your mind? It's too small, however big you made him. You can't begin to imagine how majestic he is. You can't follow it. There's no way our human minds can comprehend the majesty of God. No way. So no matter how big I try and make him, I still put him in a box. No matter how big you try and make him, he's still in a box. It's inconceivable how majestic he really is. The only thing that gives me hope there is that I'm in the same game with you. You can't do it either. So it's not a matter of intelligence. It's just a matter you can't think that big. The finite mind of man trying to understand an infinite God. It's not possible. His has total dominion, total authority, sovereign ability as the owner and possessor of all. Isn't that what the passage said? I thought that's what the passage said. Let me look at that again. Let me just confirm that. Yours is, the, this is the latter part of 11 there. Yours is the dimension, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. The first use of the word all. And you're going to see it used a bunch of times. So then David acknowledges him as the one able to provide people's needs. The needs of people. This God that's incredibly bigger and more powerful and greater than anything you can begin to imagine now says, I'm taking care of you also. Because of, because of who I am, I can take care of you. Look at this. Verse 12, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over some things. You rule over all. And in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. No one receives riches apart from God. Uh, Buffett, Bill Gates, uh, uh, the guy that owns Facebook, they're all really mega wealthy. They wouldn't be that way if God didn't intend it. If God didn't give them those riches, they wouldn't have them. Now, they may never acknowledge him. It doesn't matter. David's told us God's in charge of all the riches. Everything on this earth that monetary or gold or silver, who made the gold? God. 
Who makes the paper that your money is printed on? God. He even provides the ink. So he's in charge of all the riches. He's in charge of all the honor. If you see somebody being honored, it's because God allowed it. He's in charge of it. If we honor Pastor Phil for 47 years of, or 48 years now, is it 48 yet? No, 47 years. We're going on 48. 47 years of leading this church. Guess who that honor really belongs to? Belongs to God, but we can honor him, but God said that's okay. He's approving it. And his hand has power and might in it. From the powerful and mighty hand of God, people are made great and strength is provided. You getting out of bed this morning, the strength that it took for you to get up was provided by God. Huh? And his power, I, I, I thought of this in the first service and said it, so I'll say it now because I thought it was pretty good in the first service. His power, the way he works, is if he were to forget for one moment, withdraw his power. If he were to withdraw the power that he has, the earth would cease to exist. The atmosphere would disappear. But he never forgets about it. So we continue to exist because of his power, because of his strength. This is stated in a way so that people who had participated in the offering would not merit or think that they deserved anything more from God. This statement about this forever and ever, uh, sorry, wrong page, let me get here. Now I'm mixed up here. There it is. So his, his infinite power, he is the fountain and center of it. Okay, I said that already. He stated this in this way that he's the one in charge of everything. From his hand, everything is received. He's stating that, making that statement so that you don't get the idea and that these people didn't get the idea that they merit something special from God now because they gave this offering. All right? So that's the whole point of that statement that he makes right there. He's just saying, everything that you've done, you've done You've taken it right out of God's hand and given it back to God. So that no one would get the idea that I deserve something now special because I've done what I should have done in the first place. Whoever is great among men, it is God's hand that makes them so. And whatever strength we have, it is God that gives it to us. Whatever you have that you're able to give is because God gave it to you. Not because you're special. Like, oh, I'm this way because I have all these abilities. Well, who gave you the abilities? According to what I see here, God did. So then he goes, and here's a, here's a little parallel passage in, in Psalm 68, 35. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. No one has power and strength apart from him. Restating it. Next, in verse 13, he offers thanksgiving and praise. 
So he starts with praise at the beginning in verse 10. Now in 13, after he's described who God is and what he is and that all things are given strength by him and power by him, now he goes back and he says, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. So, next thing David does in verses 14 through 16, he says, he makes the acknowledgement that even the gifts which had just been presented in this offering were made possible because the Lord was their original giver of all things from his hand. Read 14 through 16. Because you're looking at me like you don't believe me. So let's just read the passage. Since I'm... Yeah, I got these things mixed up again. There we go. But... Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? See, he, he already understands. Who am I? It's a similar thing that he said to Christ, I mean, it said to God whenever he was told that the line of Christ was going to come from him. Who am I that you would have Christ come out of my lineage? So now he's saying it about this offering. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously, generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. All things come from him, and it's like you're just reaching into his hand because he's already given it to you. It's like reaching into his hand and saying, here, we're going to give it back to you now, Lord. For we are sojourners before you and tenants as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand, and all is yours. They're sojourners. They're tenants. He's got the perspective that we're only here for a little while. We're only in, see, in Israel, now they moved around a lot, remember. They were finally in a land that was supposed to be theirs. But he realizes that even in that, we're just tenants. We're just renting space. We're only here for a little while. We're only here for a shadow. Isn't that what he says? Our days on earth are like a shadow. A shadow only lasts as long as the sun's up. And then it's gone. And there's no hope. There's no hope in wealth. There's no hope in riches. None of that, because you're only here for a shadow. You're only here for a little while. You know what he's saying? What he's saying to me. And then, O oh Lord our God, all this abundance. So, the Lord has blessed them with an abundance. In his generosity toward this nation, toward these people, he's blessed them to an abundance. And now they've been able to give it to provide a building for his house. For your holy name, he says. It is from your hand. And here's that word again. And all. All. All means all is yours. All is yours. Now, I had an example that I wanted to share with you on this. And that is, um, well, first of all, let's talk about this. God's generosity was to give these people enough to where they could give back out of the abundance. 
of his generosity. So this is interesting. When God blesses your life by giving you things, which is not always money, okay? Don't always take it as, this passage doesn't speak about just money. It talks about power and strength. It talks about uh, honor. And then it talks about riches also. But guess what? You were given physical abilities. Okay? Some, some of it is just physical. Some of those abilities you make a living with. Some of those abilities you don't make a living with. Sometimes you work here at the church with some of those abilities. It's called a spiritual gift, right? You have those, right? Yes. Shake your head like this. Yes, you all have a spiritual gift. So utilizing them to the glory of God is the whole point. But in this passage, I was thinking about it. It's an interesting thing. He blesses you, and then according to this passage, David says, we bless you, Father. We bless you, Lord, with the offerings that you, you gave us. Now we're going to bless you by giving back to you. And he says, well, as long as you're doing that, let me bless you a little bit more. It's a cycle that just never ends if you get in there. My question is, is the cycle going and you ain't jumped in yet? Get in the cycle. If it's serving, start serving. There's nothing, I promise you, and I think I can line up the people that are serving him, there's nothing quite as satisfying as knowing you're in the will of God and serving him. Try doing that in your own strength. You won't last. You won't last. But if you let him do it in his strength, he gives strength. You've got to get that strength. Okay, you got to get strength from him. But I was using, I used this illustration earlier, and I like it so much I'm going to use it again. Um, I have a couple of grandkids that think Papa is like the richest man in the world. I'm not. Grammy may be, but I'm not. All right? But I was thinking of this. Do you ever, now, this is for all of you. Have you ever bought your children or your grandkids or your nieces and nephews or whatever, have you ever bought them some a, a bag of candy let's say or or you stop at mcdonald's and i'd have to think of my grandkids because my kids are so old that that would have been a long time ago and i forgot about it but you you stop it because you know your grandson or your granddaughter loves french fries from mcdonald's you're driving them you're just off for a drive you go hey you know what let's stop by mcdonald's and get you some french fries oh let's do it papa let's do it so you go through the drive-thru and you you get them and you say you know what let's just supersize those fries so you, you buy all these french fries for them. Now, you're stuck in a car with them, and you're driving home. And I'm reminded there's an odor that happens when you get french fries. And so um, I reach over and go, give Papa a couple of those fries. No, these are my fries, Papa. You ever had that happen to you with your children? You buy them an entire bag of candy. You say, can I have a piece? They go, this is mine, Dad. Or this is mine, Papa. You can't have it. Huh. Wasn't even their idea to get the prize. Was it? It was my idea. I'm driving the car. I'm paying for the gas. I paid for the prize. I even supersized them, thinking that I might want one or two of them. So I've poured blessing upon blessing on their life. But they're so spoiled they don't appreciate it. You know what the problem with them is? They're immature. They're children. They don't realize where it came from that they even got there. 
They don't know how they, they, they've forgotten how they got the fries. They don't realize that somebody paid for the gas to put in the car. Someone pays for insurance. Someone paid for the car. Someone drove them. Someone stopped on their own volition. They didn't even ask me for the fries. They're too immature to appreciate what's been given to them. You see, the generosity of God is poured out in your life. And sometimes we ignore that he's been so generous to us. Now, if you are a, a person that you're known to be generous, I, I don't mean to step on your toes. But I'm probably stepping on them anyway. But I'm not doing it. I'm just using the word of God. So if it happens, it's God. You bring it up. You take it up with him. So sometimes when we're a little bit less mature, we don't want to give back what's been given to us. We want to hold on to everything. See, I always think of when you want to hold on to everything, I sometimes wonder, do you trust him for more? Do you, do you trust the generosity of God to continue? Well, I found out in obedience, it always continues. It always continues. When you're obedient, there's always blessing. It just is. But his generosity is uh, what is being displayed here. Because out of the, uh, oh, this, verse 16 is, Oh, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, the abundance came from God. They have all this abundance because God gave them all of it. And, he, and, in, and then David acknowledges it. It is from your hand. Because all of it belongs to you. Everything you have belongs to God. All the money you made this week, it's from his hand. All of the possessions you have are from his hand. It's because of his generosity. And it's not because you deserve it. Get that thinking out of your head. You deserve salvation? No. Sure was provided by a generous God, though, wasn't he? And he, did he, let me ask you, did he settle up with us cheaply? No, no, no. No, may it never be. He gave his best. Generously, he gave his best that all that might call on his name might be saved. That's a generous God. And while you hated him, while you hated him, he gave his son. All blessings come from his hand. James 1.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. There's no shadows with God because he's pure light. He can't be anything but light. There's no shadows with him. But every good thing that's in your life comes down from above. And then catch this in the latter part of, as we go into 17 and 18. David acknowledges in his prayer that the gifts are to no avail. They mean nothing if your heart's not right. If the heart isn't right, let's read it again. Since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness. He delights in an upright heart. 
He delights in a heart that's convinced. You see, it's interesting here. We're going to read it here. Just, let's just stay with me here. And you delight in uprightness. I, in the integrity of my heart, and he's not bragging here. David's not bragging because David's one of the only people that wrote that says, look at my heart, Lord. Tell me if there's anything I'm doing wrong. I don't see hardly any of the other writers saying this kind of stuff. But David said it. Search me, Lord. If there's anything in my heart that's not right, reveal it to me. Didn't he say that? In the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. He gave over probably a billion dollars in that one offering. So now, with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. You see, if you want joy in giving, it has to come from a willing heart. If you don't have joy, if you give and you don't have any joy, check your heart. Check your heart. God gives generously, and he doesn't have, you don't have to worry about his heart. Amen? You don't have to worry about God's heart. He's in it all the way. But you've got to check your own sometimes. But then let's look at a little bit more here. Because this is a part of his prayer that I think we got we can't miss it. So now do I have senior people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you? O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And oh, the historical thought of him saying using these names. We don't have time to develop it, but the history of him working in his faithfulness and his generosity with the nation of Israel, with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And they all had their faults, and they all had their own problems, but God was still working with them, and he was generous toward them. Our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. What he's pointing out here now is, all right, Lord, you've blessed us with an abundance through your generosity, and now we've been able to give back to you this incredible offering out of the abundance that you provided. Pre please preserve this in the next generation. You want to know why we would do this book? Because there's a next generation in the building. There's a next generation that needs to know these truths. So if you've been through the book and you go, well, pastor, why are you guys doing that again? I'm already given. Well, praise God, we want your, we want your tribe to multiply. Because I think there's so many blessings that are wrapped up in giving that God wants to bless you with. But he's basically saying that would you please impress these things on the hearts of the next generation, Lord? That's what he's praying. He says, for this forever in the intention of the heart of your people and direct their hearts to you. Direct their hearts to you through your generosity. Their hearts might be directed toward you and they might be generous back to you. Get on the cycle. Get on the wheel. Jump in. And then 
and give my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies and your statutes, and to do them all and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Now, you know, you think, well, man, Solomon was the wisest man in the world. He didn't ask for wealth, he asked for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom, correct? God gave him wisdom. Why would David pray that? Well, I think David had a little bit of history in his years, understood how men could be doing so well for the Lord and then suddenly turn and turn away from the Lord. And the next generation seems to forget. Um, I'm from a generation that I, I believe there was 13 grandkids. Um, my dad, my Aunt Hazel, my dad, uh, David, Ruth, and Phil. There was the five siblings. And I think there's was 13 grandkids, right? Is that correct? Maybe more than that. Can't count that high. Don't have enough fingers and toes. All five of the siblings are saved, became Christians, served the Lord, okay? When you get to the next generation, you can't say they're all saved. You can't say they all know about God. And for sure you can't say they understand his generosity. You know, you're here and you're serving and you're giving and, and you're doing all those things. I hope that you're praying for your children. Because be just because you're here and you've brought them here all their life doesn't mean they're going to be saved. It doesn't. And there's no guarantee they'll be saved anyway, though I understand it, but you have to be praying for them. So I'm hoping that, I, I tell this to people, uh, uh, Rajesh and his wife Sarah just had a baby uh, this week, I think. It came a little early, but everything's fine. But I, I told them when they, they were telling me that they were uh, expecting, I said, you've just, be, you've just gotten the biggest prayer project you'll ever have in your whole life. And it doesn't stop when they turn 18 and leave your house. Well, they probably won't leave till they're about 25 anyway nowadays. But you, you're going to be praying those last seven years that they would leave, probably. <laughs> but it doesn't stop. It never stops. My, my uh, daughter is 30-something years old. My son's the same. And um, when, when I think of them, I, I always have to pray for them. They're just a huge prayer project. And I, I want them so badly um, to understand the God we serve and to serve the God we serve and to understand this. And so, fortunately, one of them is more on track than the other, and we just keep praying. But that's what David's doing. He's like, we're going to pass off the scene. We're passing off the scene. The, the ones of my age, and I'm a young old person, but I'm an old person. I'm young at heart anyway. My body's not telling me I'm young anymore. But he knows his last days are coming. David knows he's passing off the scene. He's about to hand everything over to Solomon. God, would you please impress this on his heart? Impress who he is on your heart, that he might be able to pray and be able to say, these are the attributes of God. How many of you could tell me the attributes of God? How many of your children can tell you the attributes of God? It's important. But this is a generous God, and then this is how we end it. David ends it by saying this. Then David said to all the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king.
This Old Testament passage is a, is a great section to talk about God's generosity. Everything that they had, everything that they gave to build a temple for the Lord came right directly from God's hand. That's a generous God that blessed them with abundance so that they could then give out of their abundance. See, they gave and none of them were poor at the end of it all. They still had plenty. But yet they gave an incredible offering to God. So his generosity passed down into their hands. They were generous back. It's the wheel we talked about. It's the wheel. So how else has God been generous in your life? Has he been generous in your life? Has he been generous in your life? I just want to make sure you're awake. We're almost going to let out, and it'd be really embarrassing if you're still sitting there and everybody leaves. So I want to make sure you're awake. No, just, so when I think of it, I think of, okay, how generous is God? Well, this is one area of generosity, that he gives you strength, and he gives you wisdom, and he gives you riches, and he gives you these different things. He gave you Jesus Christ. While you yet hated him, he died on a cross for you. Huh? You know, you say, well, I believed in him. Well, I got a newsflash for you. Even that was given to you by him. Even the ability to believe in him, the faith, he says, was a gift from God. A generous gift from God. Which one of you would let your son die for somebody that hated him? Nobody raise your hand because I know you wouldn't do it. But it was God's plan. And I could say with David, who am I that you would consider me, God? Who am I that you would consider sending your son on my behalf? Oh, he's a generous God. And what else did he give you? The Holy Spirit. He gave you him as a seal of the redemption that you now have in Christ. And now guess what? They all three indwell you. They've taken up residence in you. They don't need a temple. You are the temple. He's in you. Guess what else he does? Jude 24, 25 said he's able to keep me. Huh. I find joy in him. I find peace in him. I find mercy from him. I find grace in him, all from a generous God. The mercy that I have, I don't deserve. You don't deserve it. Mercy, what is it? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You all deserved eternity without God. But through his mercy, he didn't give you that. Instead, he came along with this thing called grace, and only he can really be gracious. So he took mercy, didn't give you what you deserve, gave you grace which you could never earn. He gave you the grace of the understanding. He gave you faith. You would never have believed in him. How does a dead man believe? You were dead in your trespasses. But he came along and he gave you the gift of faith. And then in that, he rejuvenated you. He brought you to life. And you saw Christ for the first time, and your life was changed forever. That's a generous God. It's a generous God. Not because you were great, because He was great. 
He's a generous God. And I don't even want to relate it to giving financially. What will you give him because of his generosity? What would you give him in service? Would you serve a God that would give like this? I hope you would. I'm reminded of the man who said that the illustration was this. Someone takes your child, they kidnap them, and they demand a ransom that's too big for you. You can't pay it. They want $10 million to return your child. You can't pay it. But Bill Gates finds out about it. And he calls you and he says, don't worry, I'll pay the ransom. I'll pay the $10 million and they return your child to you. What would you do for Bill Gates? What would you do? God says, you can't get to me. I got to pay a ransom myself. He pays his own ransom with his son. What would you do for a God that generous? Would you serve him? Would you love him? Would you tell your kids about him? Would you tell your neighbors about him? Oh, that you would witness and tell people that you would plead and that you would beg and that you would convince them and persuade them to at least look at Jesus Christ. That's how people are going to be reconciled. I'd rather have you witnessing than have your money. God wants both. But I'd rather have you witnessing because that's what matters. By this, the love of God, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Listen to this. One more generosity and then I'm going to let you go. Listen to how generous God is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. If you're not in him today, you can't say that. All that you would get in him today Let me tell you how you can do that. Let me tell you how you can do it. By simply believing what he did. Not just believing it historically. It says that he died on a cross on your behalf. Jesus Christ came from the heavens, took on the form of man in that little baby that we told you about last month. Then he died 33 years later on a cross on your behalf that you might not taste death. He tasted death on your behalf. If you would put your faith in that, and a, a saving faith says, I believe that and only that. What Christ did, it was Christ alone, not Christ in a bunch of works. See, the generosity of God was, he paid everything. He did all the work. He generously did everything. And he's even here today to give you the gift of faith that you might say, I want to believe in this Jesus Christ. I don't want to spend eternity without God. Because see, 
Being without God is hell. If you want to know more about that, by simply placing your faith. See, he died on a cross for you. He was buried. He was resurrected three days later. He's at the right hand of the Father now. And if you believe in that, he's interceding for you right now. He's your advocate. He's your intercessor. He's the one that keeps you. If you don't know him like that and you want to know him like that, all that you would see me and whoever other pastors and deacons and elders that we have here could be here. If you just know about him, that's not the same. It's not the same. You have to put your trust in him. Him and him alone. Not him and then whatever else you can do. See, when you get to know him, you want to do things for him. But you don't want to do things to get to know him. That's not the point. That's not how you get salvation is by doing a bunch of this and that. It's simple faith. It's simple faith, but it's complex at the same time. But he said a childlike faith is all you need. A childlike faith. Father, we thank you this morning for your generosity. You are a God of generosity. As David poured over those different things in his prayer to you, how that you had provided everything they needed to do what they needed to do for you. And today you've provided everything we need in Christ to know you, to be part of your family, to be ransomed, to be adopted. You did all of it. It's your generous work. It's none of us. We couldn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. It was an insult. It would be an insult to you to say we could earn it. But because of your generosity, because of your generosity, I could say with fellow brothers and sisters, one day, one day I'm going to face you and I'm going to be invited to live with you eternally. Not because of anything I did, but because of what you did. And that I'm going to hold to. And I'll hold you to it, Lord. I thank you for your generosity toward this people. I thank you that you generously used this church last year in their giving. A church of this size, Lord, gave over or approaching $3 million is what we gave. That's incredible, Lord. And how did that happen? Through the generous God that we serve that gave us the ability to be able to give back. What a blessing. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this subject matter. Thank you for being so generous in our lives, including giving Christ on our behalf. And because of that wonderful gift of you giving and of providing faith for us, we now can approach you, and he can intercede on our behalf. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.